The Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast is for authentic, loving, passionately committed citizens, leaders, change makers, executives, entrepreneurs, and helping professionals of all generations who are seeking more fulfilling ways to embody their purpose by co-creating spiritual prosperity, economic enoughness, and societal well-being. The Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast is brought to you by Integrity Culture Systems, whose mission is making integrity profitable, leaders elevated, collaborators productive, happiness sustainable, and societies healthy. Your host is the president of Integrity Culture Systems, the 12 award-winning recovering psychologist and, I would add, professional troublemaker, Dr. David Gruder. Here's Dr. Gruder. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Lori Morse, on heart health in honor of February being Heart Month. Lori Morse has a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine, is a licensed acupuncturist, holds degree in art and the creative process, and is a certified intentional creativity teacher. Before entering the field of integrative medicine in the mid-1990s, Lori spent well over a decade in the corporate worlds of finance and management. This balance of two contrasting career paths has shaped Lori into a grounded yet spiritually oriented artist, healer, teacher, speaker, and As the Director of Holistic Health Services in San Diego, California, Lori supports people toward wholeness through natural medicine that awakens cellular intelligence. She does this by weaving together her own special combination of energy medicine, acupuncture, herbal therapy, hormone therapy, and nutritional therapy with spiritual disciplines, quantum chi, breath work, metaphysics, and creative healing programs. Lori's capacity for creative alchemy enables those she worked with in person and remotely to deepen the connection with the inborn golden treasures in their heart and to mine the gold that's there. I was not planning to start doing interviews on my Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast for a while, but as I already said, in honor of February being Heart Month, I'm interviewing Lord on one of her numerous specialties, which is guiding women in navigating their menopause journey and in preventing or reversing heart disease so they can enjoy vibrant health throughout their second half of life. In fact, her latest book, Reverse Heart Disease Naturally, the Women's Guide for, sorry, the Woman's Guide to Not Die Before Your Time was an instant Amazon bestseller. In full transparency, I also want you to know that I'm particularly blessed by Lori because I have the honor of being her husband. Lori, welcome to the Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast. Thank you. It's, I'm honored and, and filled with joy to be here. <laughs> well, likewise, of course. You know, let's start first by talking about the classic definition of heart disease and the new way of understanding heart health that is making its, uh, that old definition obsolete. So how is heart disease classically defined? Well, it's classically defined based on blood work and blood markers, such as high cholesterol or high blood pressure, um, more recently, higher inflammation levels have been thrown into that, as well as high blood sugar. And then those are things that doctors and MDs watch to make sure someone, and try to reverse, right, to reverse those markers to make sure someone has, doesn't have a heart event, such as a heart attack or a stroke. And right. that's the classical definition, yeah. Right. And so 
new heart health paradigm is now emerging that makes that classic definition kind of obsolete. And in light of this new paradigm, how do you define heart dis-ease and why is this expanded definition so important? Yeah, I would actually say it's it's an expanded definition more than um, making it obsolete because I think those physiological markers are still important. But when I was doing research for my book, Reverse Heart Disease, Your Heart Disease Naturally, I, I ran into some really good leading-edge cardiologists and their work. And so I'm actually sort of borrowing from their research and understanding, which is the new expanded paradigm of heart health, which is the following. <laughs> and not this is my uh, wording of it, it isn't theirs, but what is being discovered is that our emotional and our social and our creative and our spiritual health is as important as those physiological biomarkers. And if, if in the new paradigm of treating heart health, we don't include tending to our emotional, um, I'll just call it pain for lack of a better word, if we don't tend to healing our emotions and we don't tend to our connection to spirit and we don't tend to our social connections, then the the physiological uh, elements, even though we might be doing all the things right, uh, don't tend to move as well. And that's what leading cardiologists are understanding. So it becomes a it becomes a place where we're out of ease with our heart. So, you know, we call that dis-ease with our heart health and it's, it's beyond the physical heart health. Mm-hmm. And we're going to touch on some of the emotional dimensions and hopefully relationship dimensions of this a little later on. But for, for the time being, uh, one of the things that you touched on just briefly a moment ago is about our relationship with life force or spirit or energy or whatever term each person uses for this and how that's paramount to heart health. Now, what's the connection between source and heart? Such a good question. Um, Well, for one, we can start off by talking about the energy that is beating our hearts and pumping blood and creating the capacity for us to, to speak to each other right now or for a listener to be listening is life force. It's it's the source of life. It's the energy that is, you know, blowing trees, the wind, it's it's you know, pumping our heart. And 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 so being disconnected from that connection is is really hard on a heart because a heart knows that, that is it's one and the same. And and so that's one of the first places I start out with in, in the seven steps that I outline in my book, which is that connection. I call it the state of the union. We have to understand where, how connected or disconnected we are with, with a life force, with life, with spirit, which, with, you know, the divine, with love. It, it doesn't matter really what we address that energy because really in the end it's all the same thing. But we do have to be willing to turn toward it and cultivate a relationship with it. And that really needs to be done with our heart. It can't be done only with our mind. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is one of a number of original, well, original might not be the exact right word, but one of the one of the evolutionary contributions that you're making to the heart health literature in your book is is making that tie-in very, very explicit and very direct and helping people, especially women, with cultivating that connection 
at a heart level. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I see that as foundational. Uh, if we don't include that in our in any healing journey, actually, not just heart health journey, um, but if in, in in any healing journey, if we don't have the foundation of our connection to the energy that is is in every cell of our being, then it makes healing really difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in a moment, I want to actually turn to the physical or cellular level of this. But first, as a reminder to our listeners, in this episode of the Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast, we're interviewing Lori Morse, author of the best-selling book, Reverse Heart Disease Naturally, The Woman's Guide to Not Die Before Your Time. Let's turn our attention now to the well-known and lesser-known physical needs of the human heart. You've identified some tried-and-true steps that people can physically do to prevent and reverse heart disease, and research has verified that these do work. Well, what are they? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Good question. Um, Well, what research bears out time and time again is that when someone is struggling with their heart health and they're eating a standard American diet and they shift to a more plant-based diet, it doesn't mean they have to go totally vegan, but if the majority of their what's on their plate is plant-based, then their heart markers improve almost immediately, immediately within three or four weeks. And uh, what the research bears out is that when we are eating plants, and, you know, I, I like to get into the whole backstory of most things. So in the, in the case of plants, when we're eating food that is alive, when it comes from the earth, <laughs> when it has a life force and it's not dead and processed, then that's going to translate into life force and chi, as, as ch- the Chinese medical model refers to it. Uh, that's going to translate into um, a, a, an energy or a vitality or a life force in our own body. And uh, so that's that's the nutrition piece. And you, you just can't go wrong with plants, whether one decides to include um, animal products alongside plants or not, having the majority of our food be plant be plants is what it is what hardly anybody can disagree with in the variety of <laughs> tug of war of what people talk about in terms of nutrition. It, it can get a little confusing, I realize, to people. Well, as someone who eats animal products, I'm really relieved to know that I can have my have my meat and eat it too. <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, it's different for everybody. You know, people, there's pretty um, specific camps now. We could call it the keto or the paleo camp, and they're pretty heavy into meat and 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 um, fats. And then there's the plant-based or vegan camp. And it's not like anybody is wrong. It's just that the human body, it's clear. Research bears out that whether one is eating the meat or not, if we're eating a lot of plants, we will probably be uh, better off. Mm -hmm. That's one way to put it, yeah. Yeah. And then the other – oh, go ahead. Uh, The piggyback I wanted to do on that is that from a food intake point of view, uh, I think you agree with me as uh, our listeners may or may not know that I've been involved in the integrative health field since the 1970s. And it seems to me, and I believe to you as well, that there is no one right diet for everyone, that each person's physiology is different enough and varies uh, actually the needs vary over the course of the lifespan so that there's not 
one way to eat for all people at all stages in their life. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And, you know, it, it brings your, that, your statement brings us around to, which I wasn't even planning on uh, inserting here in this physical part, but it's perfect because we were not taught to listen to our bodies. We were not taught to trust our bodies. We were, you know, we, we get all of our information from an external perspective and then we try to, it's like shoving a square peg in a round hole. We try to make it work for our bodies. So it's the latest fad is paleo or the latest fad is, you know, get, pick any diet over time. Um, th- then we all try to make that work for us. And, and what you said is absolutely true. It, 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 there's too many variations in being a human being that that don't allow for one diet to work for everyone. So if a listener would be willing, especially if someone is struggling with their health, if you would be willing to consider a relationship with your body because we have exquisite and extraordinary intelligence within every cell. I write about the fact that there's a blueprint of intelligence and there's a blueprint for healing in every cell. And we have trillions of cells and inside every cell there are trillions of atoms and in every single atom lies the electron which carries the blueprint, right? So that's just so much intelligence and so much wholeness that, you know, a human mind, I can't calculate all of that. But it will know and it will feed back to you uh, as a listener, it will feed back to you if if what you're eating is, is working, if it's the right match for you or not. It does take a little bit of trial and error, but uh, the willingness to be in a relationship with your body about what is right for you nutritionally is a relationship that you can't, you know, it, you can't go wrong with. So we're really... So yeah, go ahead. Well, I was say, I appreciate you bringing that up, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, what I was going to say is that we're, we're really geniuses. We're just walking around in the world pretending we're not. Exactly. <laughs> we are, I, 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 yes, we are exquisite geniuses on many levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also on that physical level, I know you talk a lot about the importance of movement in addition to nutrition. What do you want to say about that? Yeah, I, I guess what I want to say, and I would really encourage your listeners to read the, the chapter on this because I go into um, some NASA scientists' research and I, I make a case for finding movement that isn't something that we're pushing ourselves to do as much as that we're enjoying the, the feeling of in our body. It kind of comes back around to that um, idea of listening to our body for nutrition. To to access the healing intelligence that's in the cells that we just referenced, we really need to be in our body. And, and the term that's used currently for that is being embodied. And movement helps us create that relationship with our body, not to mention that movement is vital for cardiovascular health. I mean, that, that kind of uh, activity, is it, it, it builds strength in the organ that is the heart, and that, heart, that organ is a muscle. And so like any muscle, it needs to be worked, and it needs to be given the opportunity to be strong. And so um, movement is just between uh, the right kind of nutrition and regular movement and not smoking, those three things are what research bears out as being absolutely vital to either regressing or reversing heart disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. And just so our listeners have a little teaser to listen through to the end of this episode, you know, you're mentioning your book, and we've got a couple of gifts that I'll be 
letting our listeners know about at the end of this episode uh, so that they are going to be able to get access to your book. And that's part of why I'm glad that you're tying in the things that you're uh, we're discussing to your book directly because people are going to be able to take joy in the gifts that they're going to be able to access at the end of this episode. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, super. And so is there anything else you want to say about the missing ingredients in physical needs before we move on to the heart health aspects that we that relate to our emotions? Um. Well, I guess what I would say is that as important as nutrition and movement and not smoking are to regressing or reversing heart disease or or really uh, healing anything in our body, um, what is being uncovered in terms of real leading-edge research is that they, they aren't the only things that are important, and I know that's what you're talking about leading up to the emotions. So even if someone does all of those things perfectly, if they eat perfectly, if they move well, and if they aren't smoking, um, it's still falling short of the trends for heart disease being the number one killer in the, in the Western world. I actually think that the statistics are in the world. and But for women, it's the number one killer in the second half of life, including the combination of all cancers, including breast cancer, accidents, respiratory problems, and um, Alzheimer's. All of those combined don't kill as many women as heart disease does. So mm-hmm. it's a thing. And so th- the emotional component can't be left off the table. What, what some of the leading-edge cardiologists actually articulate, this is the way they say it, is that there has to be a new paradigm for heart health, and that paradigm must lead with emotional, spiritual, uh, social, so that would include that relationship piece that you referenced earlier, and creative expression. We need to have uh, way outlets for those. We need to have healing support for that. Otherwise, we will be falling short of beating the statistics. Mm-hmm. Well, let's unpack those one dimension at a time. So first of all, how do emotions affect heart health? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, I guess the first thing to say is, we most of us aren't taught how to allow emotions to flow through us. Most of us from early childhood, we, we don't know what to do with that energy. And so it ends up getting stuffed. And then usually by about mid midlife, some, some cataclysmic or catalyst, you know, usually it has to do with a, uh, a sickness or a loss or a death or a divorce. It kind of brings it to our attention that we've got some unhealed emotional energy. I can actually see that energy in people, and it actually looks like a kind of like a, a ball of knitting uh, uh, of yarn that we would knit with. It's it's just this tied up, bound up, darker energy that is stuck and doesn't have anywhere to go. And it's from all the losses and the betrayals and the disappointments and the heartbreaks and the the things that didn't go our way that have happened over a lifetime that we haven't known what to do with, and so it's like stuffing them in a closet or sweeping them under the carpet. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did that so answer your question? I yeah, might have got off what, track there. <laughs> no, no, you didn't at all. I mean, what you're, what you're referring to just now is what I think you know I call undigested life experiences. Life right. experiences we've had that we, at the time, 
we went through them, uh, often unexpected life experiences, uh, undesired life experiences, and even unacceptable life experiences that we didn't know how to turn into the blessings and the profound gifts that are hidden or contained right. inside of those experiences. And so I think what you're talking to uh, in, in my languaging is that undigested life experiences are really a contributing factor to heart dis-ease, uh, whether we've connected those two things or not, and that one of the crucial components in reversing or preventing heart disease in men or women is mm-hmm. uh, is becoming really adept at harvesting profound gifts from those unexpected, undesired, and even unacceptable life experiences. Yes, exactly, and and uh, discovering ways how to allow that energy to safely um, dissipate out of the system rather than being stuck. So there's a very renowned cardiologist, Mimi Guineri. She's actually here in San Diego. She's written a book called The Heart Speaks, and it's a, it's a really good book, and it's her experience over her decades of being a cardiologist. And one of the things that she says is that the heart, it, it carries stories, and it has its own language. And what I've learned over time is that when we witness someone's story, so this is the digesting of life experiences that you were referencing, is when we witness someone's stories or when their story has a way to come out in a safe, in a way that feels safe to them, then it becomes digested and they can harvest the blessings from it. And, um, and that's really important. And I think we're coming up to the precipice of of people being willing to do that more rather than being scared and keeping it all stuffed in the closet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, both you and I happen to know Mimi Guarneri, and uh, she's been uh, a leading pioneer in integrative cardiology. And I was just really delighted when Mimi agreed to, uh, to write the preface for the printed edition of your book. Yes, yes. I was, it was a big honor for her to do that. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so you're, you're really tying in not just the emotional aspects uh, of heart health right now, but the connection between emotions and relationships with heart health. Right. Say more about what you mean about relationships with heart health. Well, that whole process of being witnessed by someone. Mm. Mm-hmm. is is a relationship dimension. And mm-hmm. the, the um, heartbreak that many people have experienced at one point or another in their life is generally heartbreak in relation to someone else. Sometimes it's in relation to, you know, a goal that's not been achieved um, or a business that hasn't succeeded. But mm-hmm. very often that heartbreak is connected to relationships. It is. Uh, it is often okay. So now I understand what you're what you're um, bringing forward. And let me just say that that again in my research for the book, I learned that there is such a thing called broken heart syndrome. It's actually a thing. It's it's a diagnosis, and it's something that happens. And it's much like PTSD, um, post traumatic stress disorder, where we're faced with something that feels traumatic to us, and it could be from a loss, it could be from a heartbreak, it could be from a disappointment, and usually those kinds of things 
fault of their people. You know, our boss fires us and we're stunned and disappointed and, and scared and, you know, or someone breaks up with us. And I mean, that's the traditional idea of heartbreak, right? But heartbreak comes in many forms. And I think that when when people just assume that all heartbreak is romantic related, then they miss the forest through the trees, if, if that's how that saying goes. Yes. And so it's really important to stay, take a step back and realize that we all have it. We all have aspects of a broken heart syndrome, which, by the way, weakens the heart. So it's actually really easy to see why a heart is struggling, right? Like uh, cholesterol hardens the arteries. That's a heart becoming hardened, probably because of a, a, a situation or many situations in the past that made them feel like they had to protect their heart and, and hold it more hard than soft, right? Or high blood pressure is another example where there's tension and that could be could be from stress or pressure or and that we know comes from any number of places in life and and what the the feedback from the heart is is we need more ease we need more um we need less stress and more ease less tension and more ease and uh in the heartbreak part it's that we need we need a different way of connecting. And, and we can't really, this is going to bring this full circle to what we started talking about. It's really hard to connect with another and work through whatever emotional issues might need to be worked through when we first don't have a connection with our own life force. Mm-hmm. Yes, well said. Nicely tied together. And that leads me to another question, which is that the creative process is very, very precious to you. And creativity, of course, as you believe, um, and I, I agree with you, creates uh, or plays a very important role in emotional healing. So how do you tie creativity into heart health and emotional healing? Yeah, it's a good question because for some people it might feel a bit of a leap. <laughs> but mm-hmm. let's back up for just a moment and say that this this life force that we're referencing Mm-hmm. It, it is creative by its nature. It, its impulse is to create and express creatively. So if we, if we even, I mean, oftentimes it's re- referenced as the creator, right? So the, the natural, inborn, innate uh, impulse or life force is, is creative in its nature. So we're a microcosm. We're, a, we're an individualized expression of that larger life force. So it's also true that our innate and inborn impulse is to create. Now that doesn't mean one has to run out and become a sculptor or an artist or a, you know, a dancer. It, it, creativity is laced in and through and around everything we're doing all day. It may be the way someone has a conversation with their teenager. It may be the way they set the table or prepare a meal or, you know, plant flowers so the neighborhood could enjoy. I mean, there, everything we're doing has the possibility of having a creative element to it. And why that becomes important to emotional heart is because, first of all, creativity comes from our heart center. And when we engage in a creative, anything creative with intention, I like to add that part because if we're, if we're doing it with intention, there's more potency to it for healing. When we do that, then it bypasses our mind and it gets into some of those subconscious layers where some of the emotions are running us and we don't know how to um, to get at them, right? So a, a, a process of anything done creatively uh, will, will 
help us to access those places in ourself and and safely allow for the energy, the balled up emotion that we talked about earlier or the undigested life experiences mm-hmm. uh, in the way you talked about it to actually be digested and untangled and healed and transformed. And then we have this opening. And what happens when there's an opening when old emotional energy has been healed is love fills that space. And that's pretty much what everyone is reaching for, whether they know that consciously or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I just don't see, I, I mean, to me, a, a creative process is enjoyable it, there's a, an element of color, and if you if you do it in a traditional way where you're actually using, let's just say, even just uh, crayons and a piece of paper or coloring in a coloring book, it, it can be as simple as that or as elaborate as setting up a canvas and slopping paint on the canvas. None of the outcome matters as much as just being engaged in the activity of it because that is literally um, cultivating and carving a relationship between ourselves and our life force. And the byproduct of that is healing. Mm-hmm. And when we're when we're intentional about what, like if something is coming up on an emotional level that we do have access to, and we take it to a creative healing process, it changes it every time. And this is based in research, so it's um, it's uh, it's it happens. <laughs> it happens every time. <laughs> and and not only is it based in research, and not only does it happen, but one of your other areas of expertise that very much ties into your work with heart health is uh, helping people and and, um, kind of guiding people or facilitating people in accessing or elevating their own relationship with their particular version of the creative process. Exactly. It's one of my favorite things to do. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, People think they have to be at a certain artistic level and it is not true you don't know have to have one doesn't have to know how to draw a stick figure because again I, I I don't want to be repetitive but the outcome isn't the point but the process is what moves the energy kind of like journaling you know a lot of people know that there's some research on journaling that when we write or write it out it helps to move the energy but what's different about the creative healing process is that you, we can really drop into our heart we still need our head a fair amount to to form words and think about what we want to maybe journal onto the page. And it's not like that's bad, but when we're in a creative process, we access our heart in a much deeper way. And in that access, it's like we transform our wounds that are be, being held in our heart and we, we, we walk them into our wholeness. And I, I, I love talking about wholeness and I also love the caveat that when we talk about wholeness, we're talking about imperfect wholeness because nobody is perfect we're talking about the um the the closing the gap between our humanity and our divinity and that the more that gap gets closed the more we feel access and and have a, um, a relationship with our own wholeness and that heals wounds absolutely and uh, the old the old cliche um practice makes perfect is a lie and the real truth is practice makes progress Exactly. And what research shows is that every human being that would be listening to this, I mean, we're not talking about people who are in hospitals that don't even, you know, that don't have an awareness of the conversation you and I are having, but just about every human being has access to that 
creative expression in them. They may not know what it is. It may feel a little frightening at first or a little wobbly if they try to play with something, but it is there. And so having someone help and support you through a process like that can open up so much for a human being. Oh, crucial, absolutely crucial, because even though we have to do our work for ourselves, we cannot, we're not designed to do all of our work by ourselves. Yeah, well said, well said, that's exactly right. Yeah, and thank you. And so what you're doing a beautiful job of uh, of fleshing out, if you will, here is why the usual sorts of things having to do with nutrition and movement and and um, uh, refraining from smoking and things like that, while they're important, they're not nearly enough for optimal health or for reversing heart disease or preventing heart disease. Yeah, that is what that is what the research is showing. Indeed. Without without yeah. Yes, and you do an exquisite job of making that research accessible and useful in your book. And before I turn our attention back to your book, I'm aware that women face different obstacles than men when it comes to their heart health, and I'd really love for you to flesh that out because that then ties into your book, and that in turn ties into a couple of gifts that we're going to be offering to people in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, one of the obvious obstacles is that most of the research has been done on men over the the decades, and so some of the research only more recently is, is understanding that not only does a woman's heart um, function a little bit differently than a man's, but so does our brain. And it doesn't mean one is better than the other by any means, but there is there is some distinctions that make it different. And for women, the obstacles that I've noticed over time in working with women are, oh, I just said the word, are things like, oh, I don't have enough time to tend to these things. I don't have time to set aside for creativity. I barely have time to meditate. So how am I going to find time to create? And uh, what I would say is that uh, for the women who are willing to experiment and just kind of be on an adventure and maybe a treasure hunt is one way to say it too, that if every minute they are willing to invest in this, the return on their investment is is tenfold. So it ends up being a time saver <laughs> to uh-huh. in, engage in these seven steps that I outline in the book, only one of which is the creative process. Um, but it's same could hold true for nutrition. A lot of times people will say, oh, I don't have time and it's really hard and it takes a lot of time to prepare. And while all that's true, it doesn't mean it's the the full truth of her her picture until she finds maybe some more creative ways to weave those things in her life. I also have a chapter on how to consider having a different relationship with time. And instead of being the victim of time, which a lot of women feel like they are, their to-do list is way longer than there's time for. She's almost always, most women are feeling under pressure to get get it all done. And uh, it's it's hard. It's overwhelming and, and it burns women out. And so uh, just, just a subtle shift in perspective with time is very helpful to, um, to change our relationship to being from a, from being a victim of time to being more of a, uh, of a director, I guess is the way to say it. <laughs> yes, indeed. And in fact, what saying that reminds me about is that 
you have a YouTube channel, and one of your videos on that YouTube channel is on uh, developing that different kind of relationship with time. Right. It's a snippet because it is based on the chapter in the book, mm-hmm. and the chapter is more, uh, goes more in-depth. But, yes, that YouTube video is a, is a snippet for how to do it. So if someone wants that, the cliff notes, <laughs> they can go watch the video. <laughs> yeah. uh, indeed. Uh, so let's, let's turn our attention now to your book because I want to get to that, uh, those two gifts that we have for our listeners. And as kind of a prelude to that, I want to acknowledge again that your book, Reversing Heart Disease Naturally, The Woman's Guide to Not Die Before Your Time, became an almost instant bestseller on Amazon on pre-sale, no less, before it was even released. And one of your readers wrote something that says it all about your book. Uh, She said, I had no idea how much I was missing in what I do for my health. Lori explains things so clearly and writes about the science and research in such an understandable way. I feel like she's sitting right across from me and we're having a conversation. This is really important information for everyone because it covers physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of the heart. Lori, you're so dedicated to helping women with their heart health that you're providing two really special gifts for our listeners. The first gift is a free PDF downloadable version of your book. Where can people download their copy? Yeah, I, well, um, hopefully you'll have a link on uh, near the uh, I will. I will. Audio, I'll, yeah. I'll mention that in a couple of minutes. Okay. Yeah, so if someone For our listeners, to... don't worry about memorizing this link, uh, this URL, because you'll be able to get a direct link to it on the podcast episode page. But go ahead. Right. Exactly. So if you go to www.aguidetonotdiebeforeyourtime.com slash ebook dash free copy. And it's the entire book uh, in PDF format, and uh, you are welcome to that as a complimentary copy. Mm-hmm. And again, just so that people are clear, there's a link on the website episode page, so you don't have to worry about memorizing uh, what Laurie just said, because that's kind of long, although yeah. you know, there's a direct page that's simply a guide to die, a guide to die, a guide yeah. to not die before your time.com, a guide to not die before your time.com. Um, and your second gift is a personal heart health assessment where you do directly with people by phone or video call. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, and I'm amazed and delighted that you're also making that available at no cost. Uh, How much time do these assessments take, and what can people gain by doing one with you? Yeah, that's a good question. So it it could be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And one of the things that was surprising to me that I learned in talking to women, you know, during the time I was writing uh, the book is that women are unaware that they are actually 
um, somebody who should be tending to their heart health and they don't think that they're in the category. They, they're like, they say things like, oh, my doctor says I'm fine or I'm in the range with this or, you know, and, and really their markers are kicking up and that's the time to start tending to our heart health. And that's just at the physiological or the physical level. That doesn't even, um, bring in online the emotional level, which most doctors you'll never have a conversation about that with your doctor. Um, it would be a good doctor that asked you a question that involved any sort of emotional healing. Um, Mm -hmm. But the emotional healing part is that applies to every human being on the planet. You know, hardly any of us can look out into the state of affairs in the world and not have an emotional response. All of that is held and, and tucked away and recorded in our heart. And we're being called, this is my opinion, we're being called as human beings in the collective conscious to do that healing in order for them there to be some some very good shifts and changes uh, that we're we're in desperate need of right now so not only when someone does their heart healing they they there's the butterfly or the ripple effect and it affects the world so what the assessment will do is go through those core elements like where how someone's uh, physical heart is actually doing and how they're doing emotionally and are they do they have online some of the things that they know would help them be healthier at any level let alone their heart health level and do they need support with some of that emotional um, emotional witnessing emotional story their ability to tell their story so that they can actually heal at deeper levels well, I think that it's extraordinarily generous of you to provide a free copy of your book and a free assessment with you uh, to our listeners. And I hope and pray that this episode doesn't get listened to by so many people, especially by so many women, that you get completely inundated with these requests. <laughs> well, I'll just tell people that, you know, they'll have to, there's a, you know, X, X number of time waiting list if that happens to be the case. But um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really, you know, I'm devoted to the heart mm-hmm. for more, for because of divine love. That, that really is my motivating um, devotion. And we can't, we can't tap into that honeypot, so to speak, if we, if we call the, the, if we use the analogy that the honeypot is divine love, we can't tap into that until we can get in our hearts, until we can get past some of the hardening and the, the protective measures that we've created over time. And it's all understandable, but it's also time to lay those things to rest. Well said. Absolutely. So, again, if you're listening to this when you're driving or you otherwise weren't able to jot down the uh, the link to the book, uh, and Laurie, if you want to if you want to say the link to your uh, assessment call sign up, we can do that too. But uh, it's all going to be uh, on the uh, the episode page as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm happy to say the link. It's. It, I don't want to be confusing because it's a. It's a different it, URL. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's. Maybe it's best not to just 
to not confuse yeah, people. Yeah, if it's, it's going to be on the page. Yeah, I think yeah. if it's going to be on the page, then then it it does. It's uh, it's crazyhillstudio.com slash heart health assessment call. So the heart health assessment call is very clear, as is the free copy, and so you can you know take. Uh, I would say that if you if you would like a heart health assessment, it might be in your best interest to actually get the book and at least scan through it and peruse it at whatever level you can. So you have a general, we both are coming from the same foundation in our time together. I think that's very important because that's, that's how the people who do these assessments with you are going to get the absolute most out of their time with you. Exactly. Yes. And uh, I also want to mention that, uh, that you do have a Facebook page for this material as well called Creating a Healthy Heart. That's uh, right. That's, on Facebook, uh, where where our listeners can go to, if you're not already listening to the podcast episode that this is um, from a device or uh, through a podcast distribution service that has the episode description in it with these links, then I've got a simple forwarding link that'll take you directly to this, and that is if you go to drgruder.com slash hearthealth, all one oh, word, good. no periods, no no dashes, drgruder.com slash hearthealth. And oh, awesome. that will take people directly to the information that we've covered in this episode. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's easy. That's much easier to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so Lori, I really want to thank you for uh, being with me on this episode and for doing this uh, this episode in honor of Heart Month uh, in yes. February. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap this up for today? Um, like. I will, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being willing to bring on a guest sooner than you were anticipating in honor of Heart Health Month. And uh, I guess I would just say to the readers or the to the uh, listeners that uh, to me, our heart is a is a portal. It's like a gateway um, to our sacredness, and and we can't really get to that place in just our head. And so I'm really inviting you to consider whether you have family history of heart disease or whether or not you have a single symptom or anything showing up on your blood work that you're, if you're listening to this, it may be your heart is calling and is, is asking for some attention from you. And I would just uh, support you in, in listening. Mm-hmm. And so my final comment is that whether you are a woman or a man who cares about a woman. Mm. This is a really important book for you to have, for you to know about, for you to read, for you to pass along to others. Again, mm-hmm. the name of the book, it's, Amazon, it's available on Amazon, is Reverse Heart Disease Naturally, The Woman's Guide to Not Die Before Your Time. Lori, thank you so much for being with me on this episode of the Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure and joy. The Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up podcast is brought to you by Integrity Culture Systems, whose mission is making integrity profitable, leaders elevated, collaborators productive, happiness sustainable, and societies healthy. 
Awake people need each other. Spread the word about this podcast, because turning the 2020s decade into all that we need it to be is going to take a lot of us. Learn more about the keynotes, training, consulting, and mentoring that Dr. Gruder provides at drgruder.com. That's drgruder.com. You can access resources related to this episode's topic, let others know about this podcast, and get notified when each new episode becomes available through the Wake Up, Wise Up, Step Up app. To access it in the U.S., text the message, Wake Up, as a single word, to 64600. Outside the U.S., type into your web browser, www.drgruder.com, slash wake up, also as a single word, Be sure to tune in to our next episode.